morning. It's Wednesday, January 26, 2022. You're listening to the Brain Labor Report. And across the USA, these multinational bastards don't use tanks and guns, it's true. But they've declared a war on us. Fight back, it's up to you. Oh, it's a war on the workers. War on the death of you and me, but we're not unarmed. Our weapons solidarity. Jim Beals and Karen Silkwood, the list goes on and on. With every year that passes, 60,000 more gone. It's a war on the eight-hour day. It's a war on occupational health and safety. It's a war on social security. Now thanks to WTO, GATT, NAFTA, MAI, the IMF, and the World Bank, it's a worldwide war. Oh, it's a war on the workers. about time we, you and me, started calling the shots. Thank you, thank you, Ann Feeney. Kicking off another edition, this is the Brain Labor Report. This is Wes Brain. I'm host of the show. And this is Jason Houck. I'm the engineer. And 
And not too far away is Brenda Gould. Brenda's the music program director for the Brain Labor Report. She's going to have some help today because David Rovix, oh, the cat's out of the bag already. He'll be our guest in just a little bit. We'll be telling you about that. But first, always near the top of the show, we bring you the disclaimer. The views you hear are those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily those of KSKQ or the Multicultural Association of Southern Oregon. Near the top of the show, we do a shout-out. There's some other stations that carry this. It's a live broadcast today, later this week. This show will be heard, well, Thursday, 6 to 7, it's tomorrow, 6 to 7 p.m., KSHD, 97.5 FM in Shady Cove, Oregon. On Friday morning, up in Eugene, Oregon, KOWA, that's Friday morning, 6 to 7 a.m., KOWA is 106.5 FM. And then Saturday morning in Eugene, Oregon, we're going to be talking about Eugene today, KEPW, Saturday, that's 9 to 10 a.m., and they're at 97.3 FM. So shout out to those places wherever you might be today listening to KSKQ. And this is a live show. It's an hour long every Wednesday. If you've never been, if you've never heard of this show, if you've never been on this ride before, this show is about, well, remember the... Occupy and the 1% and the 99%, that's the rest of us. Well, the one percenters are accumulating all the wealth. And uh, it's the bottom group, it's the big group, that's working people. And we're just not keeping up. It's the big divide between those who have and those don't. That's the issues for the Brain Labor Report. We do play music, uh, sometimes old labor songs, sometimes contemporary labor songs. And that rounds out the show with, uh, there's nothing wrong with music. In fact, that makes this show, that makes, I think that makes the world go around, brothers and sisters. And so welcome, welcome to have you with us today. And, uh, you know, I think... We'll just start in with this. Oh, I mentioned already, the cat's already out of the bag, if you didn't hear earlier. Here's the cat's out of the bag. Mr. David Rovix, singer-songwriter from Portland, Oregon, will be joining us Oh, in a few minutes. We expect him in about eight or ten minutes to be joining this show. And uh, he's bringing some of his songs with him. And... Uh, uh, we think we got them getting them lined up there, and uh, I, I think I'll wait. Well, we're going to wait till he's a singer-songwriter. Let's wait for David to introduce these songs, and then we'll hear them during the course of the show. What are we about today? We're going to be focusing on Starbucks. You know, Starbucks, coffee? We got one in Ashland here. Hell, they opened up one right across from from uh, where Bloomsbury used to be. That's another coffee place now. Starbucks, Starbucks, Starbucks. I, for years, would not go into Starbucks because, well, because I'm a labor guy and I understand how resistant Starbucks has been for years to unions and. Uh, pretty defiant to uh, any union attempts, but that did change, and it's changed in the last year or so. 
Well, I'll be reading you some information about this as we get ready to talk about what's happening in Eugene, Oregon now. That's right. Today, for a recent short period of time, the Starbucks... I'll I'll read I'll I'll give you a little bit here. Early in January, right? It's still January. Workers at the 29th Avenue and Willamette Street Starbucks location in Eugene, Oregon, filed a petition to form a union with the federal government's National Labor Relations Board. That's the NLRB. The now, I'm getting this from the Tribune, okay? And this is in Eugene. This is the Tribune of the People is what I'm reading from. And uh, this is a article of January 21st. Today's the 26th, so let's put this in perspective, okay? Now, the Tribune spoke with Eugene workers as they prepare themselves for bigger battles with the company and to learn more about the motivations and working conditions at Starbucks that drove them to organize. Several of the Starbucks workers in Eugene told the Tribune, that the retaliation faced by Starbucks workers in Buffalo, that'd be Buffalo, New York, folks, the first unionized location in the country, was a major catalyst for their decision to form a union. In Buffalo, Starbucks went out of town. They sent out of town uh, managers and executives to the store in an attempt to intimidate workers during their union drive, as well as temporarily shutting down various locations, supposedly for renovations. Although the NLRB is supposed to prevent union busting, it has done little to stop Starbucks anti-union tactics across the U.S. In reality, the NLRB, this is an opinion of the Tribune, is a bureaucratic arm of the U.S. state and functions to limit workers' struggles. While the agency may occasionally sanction employers who break the law, ultimately the NLRB operates according to the laws drawn up by the capitalist state. And I'll I'll comment on the National Labor Relations Board. And, uh, well, I could even more have... More harsh words, harsher words than that. Um, but I'll hold off on uh, any name calling this morning. What I want you to know is here in this United States, we have very, very weak labor laws. And then and the NLRB is to enforce these labor laws. The enforcement is not real strong. And so that adds up to... Well, it's a tough time for workers who want to form unions, and when they have unions, um, maintaining uh, well, maintaining the law uh, in the workplace so that uh, workers aren't retaliated against, and some of the things that do do take place when workers form a union. Why do they form a union? What about you out there? Have you been a member of a union before? You know, I've read some information some some surveys and uh, that say that most people if they could would become a member of a union we've got a very low percentage of people in the United States are members of unions that's been brought about by a well-conceived and carried out campaign goes back to 
in my mind, uh, Barry Goldwater. Any youngsters know about Barry Goldwater? This goes back decades. And there has been a drumbeat in this country that's gone on for decades about what's wrong with the unions and, you know, what's wrong with government. And uh, we have a very strong right-wing faction in this country, you know, uh, and, and not everybody's right wing, you know, hates unions, although most of them are against unions. Not everybody's right wing is against vaccinations and, uh, uh, you know, thinks standing up and being tough and not getting a shot is uh, is, is somehow American and, and <laughs> relates to the founding fathers of our country and in our constitution and there's a real reach there for me to understand and uh people believe this stuff they believe it and they act upon it and uh sometimes they're pretty damn mean when they walk around with guns and threaten to kill you if you, if you don't think like they do that is an extreme right and yes we do have extreme right in this country brothers and sisters i'm looking at the clock it's 9 12 a.m what i'm not going to do is usually about now we play a song while we're hooking up with our guest so i'm just going to stand uh stand by here and know that jason jason when you get that call and we get david on the horn please break in and and uh, I'll quit. I'll quit my monologue and uh, my narrative, and uh, we'll talk with David Rovix from Portland, Oregon. He's got several songs we're going to be uh, listening to today. He'll introduce them, and we'll talk more about what is going on in Eugene, Oregon. They are organizing the Starbucks there. This is spreading around the country a whole bunch. Maybe it's fifteen or twenty. Yeah. Did you know this? Different Starbucks have filed for union elections. Hey, now, Wes, hey, I'm going to jump right in and let you know that David Rubix is now on the line. Well, that's a good time because uh, we want to hear from him now. David, are you there? Welcome. Hey, Wes. Yeah, great to hear your voice. And uh, and it's very exciting with all the Starbucks workers organizing and all the all the various workers organizing across the country these days. That's a big upswing in activity, one of the silver linings to the cloud? Well, I, I'm seeing it that way, too, uh, you know, and uh, maybe this kind of snuck up on on uh, snuck up on a lot of people. I, I wouldn't go to Starbucks for year after year after year. I hold these, call them a grudge, some of these places that are anti-union. I just won't go there, David. <laughs> yeah, sure. And and so seeing what is taking place uh, in Eugene, following some other places around the country, workers are standing up. And and maybe a comment from you, David, about this time and place. Here we are, January uh, what's the 26th, 2022. There's some amazing things, and the, everything's kind of changed. And I'm not just talking COVID. I'm talking about, David, the... Uh, well, the shortage of workers, trying to get workers, uh, you know, you read all of this stuff. Um, there's a number of things going on that seem to kind of tilted things just a little bit in workers' favor 
these days and workers have been under mm-hmm. attack for decades and so i think it's in this atmosphere that we do have some folks uh hey they want a union uh, starbucks folks workers want a union and now they're talking about it in eugene um i often talk too much and when i have a guest like you david on the horn i want to i want your opinions about this uh what's going on this time and place right now and maybe some supportive words for the starbucks workers david Robix, you've got the microphone well yeah i mean they've been talking on the uh you know they've been talking since march 2020 calling uh service sector workers and some of the others uh, essential workers, uh, but this has never been reflected in terms of how much they're paid. And I mean, they, they lionize the uh, firefighters who are getting paid, uh, what, depending on who we're talking about, somewhere between $1 and $15 an hour to risk their lives and, and get cancer out there to defend, you know, people's homes from fires. I mean, the, the uh, there's just no there's just no uh, relationship between how important the work is and how supposedly essential it is and how much the work pays. And of course, uh, everyone knows how much money the stockholders of Starbucks and other massive corporations are, you know, Amazon are making from this whole pandemic situation. And of course, you got you know over 800,000 people who have died now, and that doesn't get talked about enough in terms of who are these people? They're not all, uh, I mean, even if they were all folks in uh, old folks' homes, that would be really tragic. But many of them are workers. I mean, the first person to die of COVID-19 documented in the city of Detroit that I'm aware of was a bus driver named Jason Hargrove, who I wrote a song about. But that's uh, you know just indicative of the situation. I mean, the workers are on the front lines, the workers are dying, and the workers are not getting paid for their work that's so essential you know well stated well david rovix so line work and uh, whoever you are out there if you might be a frontline worker um we all deal with frontline workers uh if you go through the grocery store just take an extra minute and thank them Thank them for what they're doing. And uh, David Rovix, let's get into some music. I know, uh, I don't know if Jason got these lined up or not. He can he can tell us if we didn't. But if, uh, if he does, the first song we'd like to, uh, David, it's your song, Minimum Wage Strike. Would you introduce that and maybe we can hear it? Yeah, I wrote this song. Um in the mid 90s i guess and it uh it's more relevant now than it was when i wrote it cuz um there's i mean you know back then there were lots of people working service uh, sector jobs in the big box stores which dominated the economy of the 90s and and you know there was very little union organizing going on i mean you know the rents were a lot lower and it's just astounding to me uh just how much oppression uh, people will put up with before they actually uh try to fight back and and i completely understand that um you know i i i really do i mean you know here in portland my rent has gone up by 250% since i moved to the city and you know in this situation people generally leave and and you know we're staying and we're trying to to fight back but what a battle it is i mean when you your landlord is a company that owns 100 buildings up and down the coast it seems hopeless and people feel hopeless about it so they don't 
organized. And this has been the case uh, with Starbucks. You know, for, I mean, they have thousands and thousands of stores around the country and around the world taking on a corporation of that size when you're talking about a handful of, of uh, you know, franchises where there's uh, some organizing going on. I mean, it's, it's really overwhelming and it's very understandable why people were not doing it in large numbers uh, when I wrote this song. But it's certainly, uh, you know, desperate times to the point where people are organizing now and winning, you know, because people are finding out that, you know, as I've been saying, as you've been telling people forever, you know, the fact is when you fight, you win much of the time. When you don't fight, you don't win. You know, but when you do fight, you often win. And that's what, you know, Starbucks workers are finding out in union organizing efforts uh, in different parts of the country, as, as, as well as Burgerville workers here in Portland and, you know, lots of yep. other places. Well, with that, if we have it queued up, could we hear that song, Minimum Wage Strike? When I awoke one morning, there was a feeling in the air. Everything was quiet, things are different everywhere. The wobblies were back again with Joe Hill at the mic. When all the minimum wage workers went on strike. No one driving from town to town No one at the registers All the highways were shut down The cars were stuck in the garage CEOs on bikes When all the minimum wage workers went on strike No one flipping burgers All the grills were cold Onion rings were in their bags Fries were growing mold There were no baristas at Starbucks Asking how many shots would you like When all the minimum wage workers went on strike The fruit was falling trees no one to load the truck corn was rotting on the stalks no farm hands to shook workfare workers were hanging at home spending the day with their takes when all the minimum wage workers went on strike were housebound their nannies left the job Walmart workers said enough of our labor has been robbed the footlocker was locked up boss had to take a hike when all the minimum wage 
There was a feeling in the air Everything was quiet Things were different everywhere The wobblies were back again With T-Bone at the mic When all the minimum wage workers went on strike When all the minimum wage workers went on strike And you are listening to KSKQ I want to thank Locals Guide's free monthly magazine for its contribution to the Rogue Valley community. Information about a free subscription or advertising in the Locals Guide is at ashland.oregon.localsguide.com. If you're a business owner, professional, or run a nonprofit in the Rogue Valley, you can communicate with your target audience and support local radio at the same time by becoming an underwriter. Our thousands of listeners are engaged in their community and are strong supporters of area businesses and organizations. More information about underwriting or supporting community radio is at Rogue Valley. In, supporting community radio in the Rogue Valley is at kskq.org. Now back to the show. And this is the Brain Labor Report, folks. If you're just joining us now, and we have David Rovix as our guest. David, you're still there, yes? Still here. Good. I'm telling you, I am remote also, David. Been doing the show remote really since COVID, and uh, Jason is uh, and KSKQ have really accommodated uh, some challenging times for lots of us. So good to have you with us today. David is revo- remote himself. He's uh, you're in Portland, Oregon. Uh, David, let's hear a, a couple of words. We're going to get back to robe uh, to. Uh, uh, Starbucks, and uh, I'm thinking about going to a rally tomorrow. I want to mention that too. Yeah. But yes. Let's hear a little bit from you. What are you doing these days? Tell us about COVID days. I think you're planning a trip uh, overseas again. You've got the microphone again, David Rovix. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how many of uh, your listeners in Southern Oregon would have any interest in this, but I am going to Scandinavia uh, in a few weeks again. I mean, there's um, they, they're not, they're opening up. Uh, I mean, right now, COVID numbers are really high and hospitals are packed, but um, I guess they are projecting that things will become uh, less. Uh, crazy in the next couple of weeks, um, uh, barring a new variant. And uh, so I guess uh, by the end of this month, they're they're uh, opening music venues and stuff back up again. And so I don't actually even have a gig booked. I mean, this is how touring is these days. It's, um, you know, if you want to talk about the the difficulties of being a gig economy worker during the pandemic, when the gigs that you're doing are of the musical variety, uh, you know, they're constantly opening and closing and uh, music venues and changing the restrictions on them, which is all very understandable given the virus and all that. But it's um, uh, it's a it, it's an impossible situation in terms of surviving unless you're getting, you know, subsidized or you have some other way that you're making a living that doesn't involve, you know, relying on gigs that you book actually happening, you know. Sure. But, um, no, it's 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 understandable. Folks, I know who 
sing songs. Um, many of them have another job so they can support their hobby that they really love the most, singing songs. You've got fans in Europe. You've got fans in Southern Oregon down here, too, David Rovix. And uh, we just love playing your music. We do play it regularly on the show, not just when you're on. And uh, it's just a, it's a real honor to have you with us here today. Um, I, I'm going to make a quick comment about uh, again about Starbucks, and then let's do pivot because you've sent some songs to us. Uh, well, when the workers of the world combine, it's going to be the next song. But let me mention Starbucks again, brothers and sisters. I've decided I got a uh, I got an email from the Oregon AFL CIO just several days ago, and. Um, as you might have heard, workers at the 29th and Willamette Starbucks in Eugene are organizing this campaign as part of a national wave of Starbucks workers standing together in unions, showing remarkable courage as they take on one of the biggest names in the service industry. As Oregon's labor movements, it's our job to stand behind them every step of the way as they fight for their union. Here's how you can help. And there's a petition that can be signed. Brothers and sisters, go to the Oregon AFL-CIO website website. You'll find it there. And the other thing is attend the rally. So on Thursday, that's tomorrow, January 27th at 11 a.m., we will be holding a rally at 29th and Willamette Starbucks in Eugene to support the workers and say no to union busting in Oregon. Clip here or click here to RSVP on Facebook. David, I'm not even on Facebook, but I'm going. I'm going to leave early tomorrow morning. I want to go to Eugene and support our workers. So that's the message there. And uh, anybody else listening, if this wasn't COVID times, man, we would be piling people into cars. We've done this before and gone to Eugene and Salem and Portland for events. And, uh, well, I'm going up tomorrow. And uh, if you hear this and you can make it by, please. Please come up to Eugene tomorrow. So that's what's going on, David. What do you think? Yeah, and speaking of, uh, yeah, everybody should go to Eugene tomorrow, of course. And also, if you're in the Portland area, um, the uh, city workers here have just voted to authorize a strike if the city of Portland does not give them a decent contract. And and the city of Portland is uh, very much on, uh, you know, on, set to give them another another completely inadequate contract. Uh, you know, this city, Portland, Oregon, is the most rent-burdened city in the United States. People pay more for rent relative to what they earn uh, than anywhere in the United States, and the situation just gets worse and worse because the state of Oregon is run by a legislative body that is in bed with the landlord class, and the evidence of that is that every year, as the housing crisis worsens in this state year after year, the legislature does nothing about it other than let it get worse. And there are things they could do about it. They could pass rent control, but rent control was banned in this state, I think, about 40 years ago. And uh, as it was banned in 47 other states in this capitalist country we call the United States, which is not united at all. Uh, but here in Portland, uh, the city workers are treated terribly, disrespected in terms of how badly they are paid uh, for the work that they do. And uh, 91%, I believe it was, of the city workers voted in the strike vote, which is, if you follow electoral politics, generally is <laughs> a very high number of people to vote. And uh, of that, 
number, 86%, I believe, I'm going on memory, but 86% voted to strike. So there is serious disaffection among the workers here in Portland. And that is something to be looking out for, too. That's good. And we got our eyes on that also. Uh, Portland's uh, nearly 300 miles away. You're up there near the, the border of Washington. We're sitting here in Ashland, Oregon, very close to the California border. And I want to say that uh, between us and, all, and to all four corners of the street, working class people are putting it on the line front frontline workers they are and it's us the working class who made this country great and continue to and uh by gosh uh, maybe not taught too well about that in school but it's a fact and uh, david david you talked about uniting and whatnot and you got another song here when the workers of the world combine would you say a few words about that? And if Jason could cue it up, we'll listen to it next. This is a song from my most recent album called Mayday. And it is the uh, final track on the album. And uh, I chose it uh, particularly to uh, talk about the Starbucks workers' uh, effort to unionize in Eugene. Um, but uh, it's also a subject that I write about a lot anyway, that being the working class of the world and the class war that we are having waged against us by the plutocrats that run everything. Sounds pretty good. Can we hear it, Jason? Fifth month of the year on the first of May around the world as International Workers' Day. You'll still see people marching in every corner of the earth. St. John to Santiago, Kerala to Perth, all keeping alive the fantasy what could happen down the line. When the workers of the world combine, You can see us gathering early in the morn. Some are celebrating the shackles we have shorn. While so many billions are just waiting for a moment that we might stop losing the class war. When someday we can all say, yeah, we're doing fine. of the world combined. When that time arrives, maybe it looks like mating, like a festival that comes home and doesn't go away. Every race and gender, every walk and station, with the working class united, every land and nation then just watch what happens when we follow the same sign when the workers of the world combine 
the year on the 1st of May known around the world as International Workers Day Wow hmm. Anybody still there? Hello? Still here well, good. I, I just, uh, uh, that ended so abruptly. It was like the power went out. You know, doing live radio is lots of fun. <laughs> One of the things I like best about it, David, maybe a comment from you. I know you do some radio yourself. You've got a podcast you do. What I like about live is it's just like life, and things do not always go according to plan. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, if you can relate to that in, in doing radio and, and performance live on a stage, I mean, sometimes a string breaks, sometimes maybe the power goes out, and it's life. Uh, uh, I don't know where that came from, but uh, any comments on uh, the world of live performance? And uh, it's an awful lot like life. It's not perfect. What do you think, David? Yeah, that's for sure. It's uh, it, there's nothing like it, and I mean, you know what I think we've been all, you know, what so many people have been discovering in case they didn't realize it uh, before is uh, they really uh, like the live the phenomenon of being live in real time uh, with other people. I mean, which preferably in the physical world, even you know, but. Uh, even if it's an online event or over the phone or whatever on radio, uh, there's something about the phenomenon being live that is uh, just a whole lot more real for people, which is sort of an obvious thing to say, I think, but uh, apparently needed to be said because there's a lot of people who didn't seem to realize just how much they needed the company of other people in real time in the real world, you know. That's right. So well said. And and, uh, we've been doing things like getting outside. When COVID came on, they didn't know what the hell to do. And hell, they locked down parks and forests and everything, which was the craziest thing in the world to do. We've been out snowshoeing. And getting out there and seeing smiling faces up near... where, where did we go the other day, hon? Oh, up Mount Ashland, up by Mount Ashland. And everybody had a smile on their face. Everybody, I told Brenda, I says, this is normal. I mean, listen, we, we don't, we're six feet away from everybody. We don't have our masks on. The wind's blowing a bit and the sun is beautiful. This is, the, the, there's no COVID. It, it just seemed that way. And uh, it was a wonderful time. Um, Folks, we're on the horn uh, today with David Rovix. He is our guest on the Brain Labor Report. We're talking about several things, but the Willamette uh, night, 29th and Willamette Street, that's the Starbucks up in Eugene, Oregon. They are struggling. They are moving to have a vote. It hasn't been decided when the vote's going to come up with with the National Labor Relations Board. They want a union, and uh, they're having a rally tomorrow at 11 a.m., January 27th. I'm thinking about getting up and driving up there to support fellow workers at Starbucks in Eugene, Oregon. We're talking about that, and David, we're talking about uh, we're talking about your music, and uh, I know you sent another song here. And before we get into it, uh, anything else that's on your mind this morning? Uh, a good word for Starbucks, you've already said. And then, uh, would you? 
also, would you would you introduce this song, Living on the Streets of L.A., written and performed by David Rovix? You've got the microphone again, David. Yeah, this um, this song, as is uh, repeated in the in the refrain uh, frequently, uh, is from 2019. And at the end of 2019, there was a report that came out that said that uh, just about 1,000 people had died that year uh, from the conditions of life on the streets of Los Angeles, basically from you know living homeless, living rough, whatever, you know, uh, with no houses. And um, here in Portland, uh, in recent years, the number each year has been over 100 people, which is, I mean, in terms of the population of Portland, is vastly disproportionately higher than Los Angeles. And um, so, yeah, we're we're having a, um, a just a, a, it's just a tr- unspeakable. I mean, the really, you know, when when people from the United Nations refugee. Uh, agency um, came to Los Angeles a, a few years ago. They were horrified, and, and they said, uh, "This is worse than uh, your typical refugee camp in the world." You know, and it is not uh, hyperbole. You know, as as Biden loves to say, uh, "This is not hyperbole. This is real." You know, they really meant it. This is worse than refugee camps, and and, and I don't want and I want people to get their heads around that. You know, this is worse. In refugee camps in in those countries that you see on TV, where where people are living in in tents and and uh, you know in uh, war torn areas or neighboring countries thereof, you know they said it's worse here in the richest country in the world. Well, we understand here in Southern Oregon we have had we had a death here not too long ago. Um, um, Jason who's on on the horn with this, uh, he's very much involved. He and Vanessa with uh, with sheltering folks who are homeless and uh, trying to provide some meals too. And uh, uh, it's sometimes hard to really really digest all that because we have such tremendous wealth in this country you know uh yeah i'll never have one of them new fancy electric cars i see people driving and and, and that's a move in the right direction don't let's not get wrong there but uh my god ashland ain't too far behind portland in terms of what it costs to no. live here oh my god oh, i hope it's it's just brutal, and I hope we can. We're retired, and you know, fixed income, and you know, doing what all working people do, and retired working people do. We count our pennies. We do the best we can, and we want to. We want to live here, and so we we do uh, from from one edge of the uh, Oregon to the other, and really of all four corners. People, working class people, are facing real tough times, and many of them live in their cars or on the streets. Yeah. Um, it's and now tough. 1,000. You can't even... It used to be you could leave uh, Oregon and go to someplace like Idaho where, where uh, living was cheap, where it's not on the coast. And, you know, it used to be uh, a lot of people did not want to live in Idaho for whatever reason. I don't know. It's a gorgeous place. But uh, that sure has changed. Now Boise is extremely expensive. I mean, everywhere. You can't... You can't... You can't hardly go anywhere. I mean, I guess... I guess you can still live fairly cheaply in Detroit if you want to go that far east, but but it's really uh, uh, it's just awful. 
I mean, people are just struggling so much. It's a it's a country of of landlords and peasants. Of, I mean, you know, really, it's um, what kind of life is this? I mean, it's no life at all for so many people. Not not only living in I mean, living in poverty is one thing, and then living in poverty where it's a completely precarious form of poverty where the landlord can raise the rent in many cases across the country as much as they want, you know, from year to year, and you have no legal recourse other than to move, you know, uh, this is the situation that half of the country is in. It's absolutely, um, you know, and then, and then the, uh, you know, in the news, they'll talk about like in, in, in riots that happen historically, they'll talk about, Oh, look, they're burning down their own neighborhood. You know, nobody ever burns down their own neighborhood. You know, you know, they, they the people who say that, are are the ones who own the neighborhood. That's why they don't understand whose neighborhood it is. You know, I mean, if, if it's if the landlords own the neighborhood, it's you know, not your land. It's not your neighborhood. You know, if the landlords own your neighborhood, also, you have no interest. You have absolutely no negative vested interest in anything good happening. You know, it, it is in your best interest for there to be a high crime rate, for all the fancy cars to get broken into regularly, for the schools to suck, you know, for the parks to be full of syringes this is in our best interest as the working class in this country david robics i've i've got a a theme i've kind of had recently and i'd like to bounce this off you and see what you think one of the uh one of the things that uh drives our economy is 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 now uh marijuana uh the harvesting uh the growing the harvesting of marijuana and i wanted to bring that up because it's an unbelievable place in southern Oregon. I know last summer you couldn't drive anywhere in the county and uh, and not smell the pot. And uh, I'm smoking. I'm, I smoke it myself. I'm not against the smell of it or anything else. But I want to talk about what's happened here. And in these very tough times, there are a lot of people making big bucks growing marijuana. And like it often happens, you know... Uh, uh, it's not fairly distributed. You've probably heard the stories. We make national news about this now, about cartels that come into southern Oregon, lease or buy land, and then uh, put up these uh, these uh, greenhouses, these hoop greenhouses. They're literally everywhere. And it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. Now, what's happened is, and I knew it was going to happen, years and years ago, decades ago, one of the things that when marijuana was illegal, brothers and sisters, one of the things that helped the working class people in southern Oregon was uh, to grow the best pot in the world around here, in here in Northern California, was that black market industry. And uh, what's happened recently is the big timers, Wall Street. You can invest in marijuana growing via Wall Street now. So these big timers have come in and they're sucking the money out of our economy by by leaving. This is the, the you know, you see this again and again uh, in different ways, but here is the way that I think there's a positive side of this. And so I'd like your comments on this idea. So this is a workforce that is not unionized at all. And I dream about this at night. We're, we're working on a local IWW branch. Uh, we've met a couple times and uh, talking about organizing uh, down here. I would love to organize in the marijuana industry. I would love to see it so the people are doing the work. 
the farm workers down here, would get their fair share, become unionized. And I would love to see the locals control the market. And maybe by unionizing, we could help make this happen and kick these big timers out of here. They're damn criminals. And uh, the Wall Street folks who are uh, growing pot and, and taking the money out of here and the pot, too. They'll pay workers with pot, which is illegal for them to sell to get some money out of it. They do so many things that are, you've probably heard about these. So listen, I took a, a real pivot uh, on on that. And uh, uh, David Rovix, any thoughts on, on the marijuana industry and the exploitation of working people? It just continues. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm also a daily pot smoker and a very big fan of, of uh, cannabis legalization. And I think it should be legal everywhere. And I think all drugs should be legal everywhere, but um, and regulated so they're safe because it's it's uh, it's the it's the illegality of of the, the drugs and and the and the, uh, the fact that they're not uh, you know regulated that kills people overwhelmingly. And just you know when you're hearing about all these overdose deaths around the country, you know so much of the time that's people mixing fentanyl with heroin and doing all kinds of crazy stuff that you know so often they have no idea they're even doing it, you know, and what's been going on uh, recently in Santa Cruz, incidentally, is some people, uh, I assume they're people and not actual demons, are leaving uh, bags of pot laced with fentanyl on the streets, on the sidewalks, so that folks who are homeless will find the bags of pot, smoke them, and die. Oh, my God. And that I is had... happening. That is happening. Right now, that is happening. But, you know, that's... Um, like on Halloween, mm-hmm. some putting a razor blade in a in an apple that they give a kid or something. I remember stories like that, and it does happen. That, that actually, that sounds very similar to that to me. Um, yeah, that is insane. Except, except how I, I didn't know. I, I mean, the razor blade in the apple thing. You know, maybe. I, I mean, I, I don't doubt that at some point that must have happened somewhere. But as far as I know, that was always just a you know sort of urban mythology. You know, and most people don't actually want to injure small children who are going out trick or treating. But there is a certain uh, subset of society, you know, that grows up uh, with with the kind of propaganda we hear all the time about the uh, unhoused population who actually, you know, view people living on the streets as less than human and are fully prepared to kill them for existing. But, um, you know, get my head around. No, I know that happens. And I know uh, uh, Jason, like I mentioned, is uh, I don't know if you want to chime in on this, Jason, or not. But there is a real target on many people who uh, who are are houseless, and uh, I don't understand that. Jason, if you're there, do you got any ideas what this is all about? I know you and Vanessa work on it so much. I guess the the, the thing we run into, uh, especially when when helping the homeless, is that every... Every person that's homeless, every everyone carrying a bag, everyone that's that's out there on the street is burdened by the bad behavior of of everyone that came before them. So it's very, it makes it really easy for uh, for for folks to classify all homeless in one in one uh, in one easy swoop. That I think is the greatest burden is that uh, you know you you have to carry the burden of all that bad behavior that came before you, and if you're innocent, you it, you know you're you're considered um, guilty. 
I think that's probably the biggest burden that folks carry there. Wow. Yeah. It's a form of systemic discrimination, basically. Right. Well, anybody listening to this, this is a burden just to hear it. And uh, I want to suggest that, uh, uh, you know, we got we got to come up with some positive stuff. So every single one person listening to this show right now, even though we live in a world that sometimes feels like there's no power and, you know, it's, it's pretty damn heavy and how can I do anything? Every single person listening to this right now does have some power to do things and uh, walk out and take a walk. You can take a walk, get your daily exercise in. By God, I, I'm doing that. I got heart disease. Nobody can stop me from it. I'm going to do it. But in the terms of the houseless, homeless folks and the uh, the uh, the problems they're facing, every single one of us could look in the mirror and and examine ourselves and come up with something we could do. It could be small, but I'm suggesting do it. We do have power, and take some time to talk to somebody. Take some time to develop a relationship with somebody. There's no other way to go forward and make things better than to start with that right there, and it doesn't take that much. You know what? It When you give... It comes right back to you, brothers and sisters, whether you want it to or not. That's the way it works. So I'm kind of uh, we're going to we're off here in a couple more minutes. And uh, um, I would like to uh, encourage that theme. Uh, David Rovix is our guest today. And uh, so good to have you on the show. Uh, what can we do to be positive in sometimes such a uh, such a heavy, heavy world? David Rovix. I mean, in terms of the housing question, people check out abolishevictions.org. That's my site, and that they can uh, people can get some ideas. But I mean, I think you're so right that we need to reach out and, and look at everybody as human beings, and whether and of course we need to organize. Whether you're talking about people living on the streets or or, or people working in the cannabis industry, uh, you know, it's. Uh, with, on the cannabis thing, it's it's inevitable that this kind of stuff that you're describing happens. It needs to be regulated. Any industry needs to be regulated. When there's profit involved and lots of profit involved, there's going to be people coming into the to the thing who are out to make profit, and that's where government is supposed to be involved with regulating. You know, and Oregon has a long history of government that doesn't really bother with regulation much, and we pay the price for it in so many ways workplace injuries and uh, forests that are completely clear-cut and destroyed and that aren't regenerating and all sorts of other ways we pay the price for such bad regulation in, in this state but and in this country generally. But yeah, reaching out is so important, but equally even more important perhaps is realizing that the problem is systemic and until we do something about the unregulated system of capitalism and the housing prices going up by 20% in a year, then there's no hope to house this uh, country. I mean, me and my family of five, we live in a two-bedroom apartment in Portland. I'd love to take in my homeless friends and neighbors, but there's literally nowhere for them to be in our little apartment. And I can't afford to get them a new, uh, uh, rent them a place. And that's what they need. They don't need uh, me to give, I mean, I give them money, but that, that's not what they need. They need, uh, they need uh, an apartment and I can't give them enough money for that. And that's what they need. 
we see that all around the state. And uh, wherever you are, I think uh, that could be part of your life. Uh, And if it's not, well, it is part of your life. The person across the street who loses their home and now they're on the street, um, they're your neighbor from across the street. It's part of our lives. The concept of struggle I think of working class people working together, struggling together to do a better job is always has been uh, a a pathway that brings results. Um, Direct direct action gets the goods. And when people do get together all on the same page and when they're fighting for for justice, it's, it's a struggle. But when they struggle together, um, it's it's an amazing thing because the power of people struggling together does bring results. David Rovix, you sing songs about this, and uh, as we get ready to say goodbye here, uh, we got two minutes to to chat and say goodbye. It's your music, and it's the music of other labor song singers that I think brings so much to our struggles and to our movement uh, to do better for the working class. So uh, with that, I hope you'll keep on writing and singing songs. We want you to come back to Southern Oregon, and uh, 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 we do want you here again. We do play your music, and uh, you got some fans down here. Um, David Rovix, as we get ready to say goodbye another minute or so, we'll give you the microphone again. Thank you for being our guest today on the Brain Labor Report. Well, thank you, Wes, and I hope to see you down there in Southern Oregon sometime soon. And absolutely, direct action gets the goods, and if we fight, we win, and it is absolutely the case. And the biggest problem is that we don't believe that we can win. And I I never understood it as well as I do now that, you know, absolutely, when Franklin Roosevelt said the only thing to fear is fear itself, he was completely, completely hit the nail on the head. That is absolutely the case, and we need to organize not be afraid. Fantastic. And we do it by talking to people. We do it by relationships. We do it by taking the time. If somebody's, in this case, houseless, they're carrying a bag and, uh, Take a few minutes and talk to them. Yeah, they might have a sign out there for some change, and you might have some change and do give it to them. But I think <laughs> they need a house, as David told us. They need uh, they need things. The change is to get by from today to tomorrow. But there's some structural things they really need, probably more than anything else. They need the support of their community and other people who will rally with them because it ain't just them. Look in the mirror, brothers and sisters, it's us. And, uh, okay, well, this has been a heavier show than really I wanted it to be. We do have to say goodbye. It's 9.58 now. Brain Labor Report will be back again next Wednesday, every Wednesday on KSKQ, your favorite community radio station. If you're still with us, David Rovix, again, thank you for being our guest today. Goodbye now. Bye-bye. It's 2019. Looking around. At the tents and trash and excrement scattered on the ground. So many mansions overlooking the sea. 
stretch limos, Rolls Royces, and movie stars all over Los Angeles County. It's 2019. And one thing I know is most people wish we could rewind to a couple of decades ago before the rents tripled. Folk began to move out Into their cars, into their tents Where drivers look on however loudly you shout It's 2019 But in a black and white photo It could be 1920 